15. I give thanks to my mother who's watching and all her Caribbean friends and my friends. I'm really pleased also that after tonight, I can tell people that I, on at least one occasion, was a warm-up artist for Fiona Shaw. So I'm gonna focus on homecoming, uh, which is an oral history of Caribbean migration to Britain. And I'm interested in that notion of what history can tell us through many voices, through a plurality of voices. Marcus Mazar Garvey, the great black Jamaican-born Pan-Africanist said, a people without a sense of their history is like a tree without a root. And that was very true of my family. We have a family tree, but very few branches. And those branches were described to me and my siblings by my mother, Ethelyn Adams, who, when I was growing up uh, in Luton, the capital of Britain, um, she would tell us again and again that before her, there was her mother, Pauline Fredrickson, who was a singer and dancer. She sang with the Butterfly Troupe in the 1920s in Jamaica, where both my parents are from. Before Pauline, there was Granny Reed, who had a boarding house in Colón in Panama to serve and keep the West Indians who built the canal there. And before Granny Reed, there was Aunt Anita. Aunt Anita was a violinist who allegedly performed in Carnegie Hall on at least one occasion. Before Aunt Anita, there was Mama. And all we know about Mama is that she was a highway robber in the 1800s um, until she got caught. But she flirted with the judge during the trial and was found to be innocent. And before Mama, there was Gong, who was enslaved. And that's it. The rest is darkness. So my mother, born in Jamaica in 1932, was due to actually go to America. That photograph is her passport photograph. But she allowed a certain man into her life, a man called Clinton George Bagai Grant, who's my father, um, who actually was a man who took lots of risks. In fact, my mother used to say he might to take chance. That's, by the way, is not his prison number, that's his merchant seaman number. Uh, he was very clear about the fact that he was British. He had right of abode stamped on his passport. But when I was growing up in Luton, uh, whenever anybody asked me where I was from, I had a neat little summary. I would say I was British by birth, but Jamaican by will and inclination. If ever my father heard me, he'd say, Stop, stop, trite! You're born right here! You are English! I am British! Now let's get that straight! Don't let the man take you for fool! He was very clearly British because everything was viewed for the prison of Britain in the Caribbean. In Jamaica, when my parents would go to the cinema, he would stand up before the screening of a film to sing the British national anthem. Their understanding of British culture sometimes came through films, through the Ian comedies and through the carry-on films with people like Hattie Jakes and Alistair Sims. I interviewed more than 60 people for this book, Homecoming. Um, one of them was my uncle, Vivian Wellington Adams. And he told me that when he came to Gatwick in the 1960s, uh, he was a teenager and getting to the car to drive from the airport to Luton through the country lanes, the first person they saw was a 
district nurse in her uniform propped up on her bicycle and he turned to his brother and said, look, Hattie Jakes. They were clearly uh, wedded to this notion um, that they were British. And um, they were very excited, I think. People forget that many of the people who came from the Caribbean were youngsters, they were teenagers. Um, there was a man called Wallace Collins who uh, was in the book and he talked about the fact that when he came from Jamaica, many people, when they arrived, they wanted to share their relatives back home that they'd made it. We reach, as we say in Jamaica. Just imagine the glamour of saying you've been to Oxford Circus. Wallace Collins went to Trafalgar Square. A pigeon came and shat on his head and he wrote back to his family, I am making history. Too often, I think, though, the history of this period has been shown through the prism of the Windrush images. You've probably seen those images of the men coming down in their zoot suits and their fedoras, but there were 200 women on board that ship, the first alleged ship, the Windrush. There were many ships that came before, like the Ormond, which came in 1947. And I know that because a friend of mine, Hannah Lowe, the poet Hannah Lowe, her father was on the Ormond in 1947, and she wrote a book of poems, a collection of poems, imagining their lives. I love this image because this is the image of my mother and her peers. These women were the welcoming committee for people arriving in Waterloo from a boat train that had arrived from Southampton. And I love this image because it reminds me of my mother's phrase. She would say time and time again, the day long, the day long. So relax and sit with the moment. I enjoyed interviewing women more than men. I made a point of interviewing women more than men because they were more generous with their anecdotes. They would interrogate their personal lives more and they were more prepared to feed you, in all honesty. I got some lovely and poignant stories from these women. And what I wanted to do with Homecoming was to interrogate some of the myths and some of the cliches around migration and arriving in this country. So you may have heard of the phrase when it comes to seeking accommodation, no dogs, no Irish, no blacks. These are little cards that were putting windows in shops and in people's houses. They didn't want these people to rent their rooms. I interviewed a woman called Waveney Bushell who talked about the fact that she would alert the prospective, the prospective landlord or landlady to the fact that she was black just to get that out of the way so she wouldn't waste her time and they wouldn't waste their time when she arrived and find that they would slam the door in her face. And Waveney told me that till today, she can't walk down a path, climb the steps and knock on the door if she suspects the door will be opened by a white person. So the trauma is buried deep in her. And I think people were surprised by the fact that there was this hostility that which they met the hostile environment didn't begin with Theresa May. It was way back in the 40s, even not even before. But I interviewed this lovely lady called Joyce Estelle Trotman, who's also from British Guyana. And Joyce is 92, as is her friend Waveney, very smart woman. And she summed up the Caribbean experience of Britain in terms of the way that people have been described over the years. She arrived in the 50s. And she said, First, we were children of empire. Then we were citizens of the Commonwealth. And then we were foreigners and immigrants. It's a rather chilling description, I think. 
but the empire struck back. Um, and you see that in the, the next photograph, um, because you will see that the story of Windrush and the story of the Windrush generation, I think sometimes has been skewed into thinking about the problems that are associated with people who came here. And although it's important that we mark the disgraceful um, treatment of many people of my mother's generation during the Windrush scandal, um, articulated in, in uh, Amelia Gentleman's book, The Windrush Betrayal, I think it's also important to remember that none of these people see themselves as failures. They don't want to see themselves as victims. They celebrate life. And what they did to this country is they brought a certain vivacity to life. You can see that with this man, uh, uh, Alford Gardner, who came on the Windrush actually, and he is with his mates up in Leeds going to watch the West Indies beat England, not for the first time. When I really posed a question to myself about what it was that uh, I learned from my parents, I learned that they made these um, amazing sacrifices because they all came with a plan, a vague plan, to work some money, as we say in Jamaica. It's a kind of five-year plan and you save and prosper. But the five years becomes 10, the 10 becomes 15, and one day you wake up and you see, as we did as children, our parents changing the wallpaper. And then you know you are here to stay. But every Friday in Luton, the capital of Britain, we received a copy of the Jamaica Gleaner, the national paper. And on the back of the Gleaner, there would be adverts for plots of lands that could be bought and architectural drawings of buildings that could be built on those plots of land. And every Friday, my mother would take a pen and ring the advert. We're going back. She used to say, don't get too comfortable. You know, we're only passing through but we never went back. Eventually though, after 40 odd years, I convinced the BBC to allow me to take my mother back to Jamaica for the first time. And it was remarkable. The transformation was remarkable. As soon as we touched down at Kingston Airport, she was looser, she was funnier, she was singing all the time. She was interrogating the local people. She even had songs for the general penitentiary. And it was as if she was drawing on all the colors of her palettes. And yet, when I saw her in Luton, she seemed to be rather reduced and not drawing on hardly any colours. And I suddenly thought, wow, what would her life have been like if she'd stayed in Jamaica? Would it have been as rich and as vibrant as it was when we went back 40 years later? But she, like many people, made the concession that she was going to improve her own life and improve the life of her children. And I give thanks to her for that. Now, in 1962, the British government decided that they were going to change the legislation, to, in essence, to prevent more Caribbean people arriving. And when word get, got out, there was a great swell of people who tried to get in before the doors closed. And in May 1962, the news arrived that the last boat train would be coming from Southampton to Waterloo. A young photographer called Howard Gray in 1962 was 20 years old and he rushed to Waterloo because he knew that this was going to be a very dramatic moment he wanted to chart. Howard Gray never used flash photography. Aesthetically he didn't like it and on that day, it was a very grey day, the roof of Waterloo station still had the remnants of camouflage from the Second World War. It was very grimy. The walls of Waterloo were very dirty, the asphalt was very black and the people who came off the train were very dark skinned. And Howard Gray took 
three rolls of film very quickly within 20 minutes and then rushed to his studio to process the film. But when he looked at the negatives, there was nothing there. It was completely blank. He cut up the negatives, put them in a manila envelope, and there they remained for 54 years. And a few years ago, Howard was watching a program on BBC television called Click, which is a technology program. And in the program, they described how you can visualize data that can't be seen by the human eye with some of these new high-end um, scanners. So he took these negatives to a high-end scanner facility. He scanned three times the highlight and shadows and up the images came. These images that he hadn't seen for 54 years. And this is one of those images. This is the image that graces the cover of my book, Homecoming. And I love that image and I love that story because in a way, for me, it's a metaphor for the Caribbean experience in Britain. For so long, the Caribbean people like my mother and my father have been eclipsed. They've been in the margins and slowly and surely they've come to the center. And when I was compiling this oral history in which there are more than a hundred voices, I had in mind after a while that I was almost like a producer on the Antiques Roadshow. It was going around and talking to people about their antiques, but instead of there being these um, saucers or spoons or any other artifacts, the antiques were their stories, which had been told in the past, but had been forgotten by bored relatives. And I was going to encourage these people to take out their stories. I was going to brush them down. I was going to feather them down. And I would reveal them for the jewels that they are. Thank you.